What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is John Cunningham. Um, we recorded this four months ago, and uh, for those of you that know John, we ran out of time. We tried to schedule a second part. Schedules didn't line up. So we're going to talk about everything from the time John got to Bethany till about 1996. Um, so without further ado, we're going to hear about the national championship. We're going to hear how the program was created and a bunch of other things. So without further ado, John Cunningham. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know. You want to know. You want to know. You Chuckleheads. I am Carlo Guadagnino and this is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is national champion coach arriving in 1967. John Cunningham, who still today lives in Bethany. Coach Cunningham, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Here is, it's been a while since I've been able to do this, All but right. here's your tea. All right. Turners, if you're watching, you know, we're, we're still looking for that sponsorship. Um, JC's going to tell us everything from 1967 to what he's doing in the present day. Oh, not all at once, though. We're going to take a break, come back. We'll talk about later on, the 90s, and, and, and on from there. But so... You didn't start at Bethany, so where did you go to college? Uh, let me go real quick. I was uh, from Burgettstown and went to Union High School. Okay. Immediately from Union High School then to Slippery Rock, where I was there for the four years, and that's where I got introduced and started playing soccer. Mm -hmm. So I played soccer actually when I got cut from the football team, and it was the best thing probably ever happened. And then after Slippery Rock, I went to Kent State for two years, did a master's in counseling and education, and then was offered the job as the first director of counseling at Bethany College in the fall of 1967 and uh, arrived. And in so being, part of my interview team was Stelios Papadopoulos, who was the head of the student body, who was also a Greek soccer player, mm -hmm. an excellent student, president of the student body later on. And uh, he asked me, he said, I see you play soccer. We're trying to get a soccer club. Would you be interested in being the advisor and working? So in 1967, there is no soccer program at Bethany. No, they had, they had a club team that had started in '66. Okay. With Stelios, Glenn Kelly, uh, Bill McKee, and a group of uh, guys that were here. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, um, it just passed away. Unfortunately, it was a boy from the Ivory Coast. Okay. And uh, just unbelievably wonderful first introduction to Bethany and. As it is now with Frankie and the others, we had a large group of international students that wanted to play soccer but didn't have a vehicle to do that. So I did, and uh, we had a very uh, interesting group because they were the internationals who knew a lot about soccer, and Myron Walters and Rich Cox and a few of them from the New Jersey area and whatever who had played were here, and some of them, like I had gotten, had gotten cut from either the football team or decided they didn't want that, a couple baseball guys. So that first conglomerate group was a, um, a great mixture of both the hardworking U.S. soccer guys and the skilled internationals. And that was our, basically our calling card for the next 10 years. Well, and so that program there, when you're, you're it's in its infancy, we'll yes. call it. Was it always going to be a goal because of the way it started that, you know, we're going to include the internationals and kind of bring the internationals and the American style together 
to to perform or yes and okay. uh it was by nature at bethany and we were so fortunate a fellow by the name of dr carl schweinfurt was the head of the history and political science department dr lozier who mm -hmm. many of the personalities would know is he still lives here in bethany is retired and they were just so helpful to the international group. They traveled the world, and as they were around, of course, they were promoting Bethany College. Mm -hmm. And in most of the international countries, there were always soccer contacts. So that was a good win-win for me. Um, because as a soccer coach, I rarely went out and recruited personally by going to games and things like that. Because my full job was always as an administrator at mm -hmm. Bethany. And the, so a lot of your time is, is yeah, here. I, I had a real job. Yeah, you're here. You're not just you're <laughs> so, not just coaching. You're yeah, also admissions yeah, exactly. and, and, and and doing all the things that I did and wearing so many hats. But soccer, the combination of doing administration and soccer probably is what kept me here for the forty years that I actually worked at the college, and still keeps me here because mm -hmm. I still run Bethany soccer camps every summer along with Frankie and the current coaches at Bethany. And uh, we have a lot of alumni and, and groups that come back. And we're, Frank Christie and I, who's a 74 graduate, mm -hmm. uh, we started the camps in 1974, and they're still going. And strong. Uh, I mean, they've uh, always been a... We hope this summer... Yeah, this, well, last summer was, a, was kind of a hodgepodge, but... But we're going to see what happens with it. But it's a... Uh, be 48 years of soccer camps by the same two owners and operators and i don't think there's another soccer camp in the united states that can say that i think we are the last of the breed um the coach from duke the coach from connecticut and the coach from indiana all had camps starting when i did but they've all since stopped and mm -hmm. we, we continue to do it um so anyway back to where we were my my whole and I'll do this. I'll go on and on about Hey, this is your show. I'm just the guy. And you can edit it up with anything you don't want, so we're good. Uh, so in 1968, um, Stelios and David Fuzzy Williams, who is an icon in himself to Bethany Soccer, um, petitioned the athletic department to go varsity from a one-year club program to varsity. Okay. Unheard of. Dr. Perry Gresham, who was just in his waning years of being the president um, and really liking the soccer and really liking Stelios and the group of students. Mm -hmm. So we had to get a petition and everyone had, they had excellent grades, which was a big plus. It's huge for them. Um, and the international kids were, many of them were at the top of that. Stelios is a double major, a distinction in both physics and mathematics. Uh, owns his own biotech company now. I can tell you, I never took one of those classes. Yeah. <laughs> Either side, math, anything in math, yeah. and physics for sure. So we got the petition, and it was not initially very receptive by Robert Bob Goyne, mm -hmm. the, the icon who just passed away at our football program. But he was the athletic director, and as of today, looking at all the budgets and think, why can we're having trouble? How could we? Why should we start another sport? But Dr. Gresham basically overrode that and said, we're going to do it. So in ninth, we went, played club in 67, played varsity 68. And our very first soccer game in Bethany was played on the football field, as they're doing now. 
It wasn't turf. Yeah. Big hump. <laughs> uh, and still has that hump too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just turf with a hump. And so as when we got into it, we played uh, the very first game played here was against Case Western Reserve, who I believe were three time defending PAC champions. So we came out to do our warm-up and we we're ragtag. I mean it's our uniforms were not they weren't Adidas, they weren't yeah. all the funny, but they were green and gray. Mm-hmm. And uh, Case came and they had all the track suits and all brand new balls, you know, they were just eh. and they basically were laughing at us. So when I pulled the team together before the kickoff, I said, Look, look over there. They're laughing at They're you. They're making fun of us. Now, the only thing I'm gonna ask is each one of you, when you step on the field tonight, you don't do anything but give it your best. And I think we can still wind up with a good showing tonight. But we wound up winning 1-0. So in our very first game out, we beat the defending PAC champion that was both and so forth. So what so. does the what is the PAC looking like at that point? Because your, your case has just now come back in on the football side, but not in every oh. sport. Well, yeah, it, it was a very... The President's Athletic Conference, Dr. Gresham was one of the founders of that from Bethany. And you got to think back, was Wayne from Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was um, Case Western Reserve. Uh, it was John Carroll University. Okay. And Case and Western Reserve were two different schools. And then they merged. Right. And um, then shortly thereafter, uh, oh, and the other, Allegheny. So it was a very, very academic, which is why it was the President's Athletic Conference. And uh, so it was very competitive, uh, a whole different group than we have now for the most part, but mm-hmm. it was very competitive. And most of those schools, like we had, had some nature of the international thing. Flavor. There was yeah. an international flavor. Yeah. So in some of them, the, the Case Western person uh, was a all-time PAC champion, Wolfgang something from Germany. Um, what a name! And yeah, so <laughs> they were. But so it was that kind of building of soccer in our conference um, that just kept breeding itself over and over and over again, and it worked. And uh, so I was very, very fortunate to have Dave Williams, who was from Menden, New Jersey, and Stelios from Greece. Danny Fox is the one from Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. and Myron Walters, who was from New Martinsville, but he had traveled all over because his father was the um, head of the church relations at Bethany. Okay. So they were the inspiring four that started it, and I still claim them as the, the real fathers and grandfathers of Bethany soccer. So you, that first, let's, let's, because I mean, if, if you've ever been to Bethany and you look up into our rafters in our gymnasium, there is uh there's there's one there's one very there's something that jumps out at you every program does have a champ i think at this point other than lacrosse mm-hmm. i think every program does have a pac championship down the road yep. if you look at the soccer banner i believe there's two or three of them to keep the numbers for so yep. when did but obviously you beat the reigning three-time champ for your first game how did the rest of that first season go, and when did it, re- or did it take off from that that point on? It took off right away. Okay. Uh, and we were uh, second in the conference that first year. Um, Which is a big statement a for big a statement. brand new program. And uh, so we, in the 32 years, we never had a losing season. Uh, and 
part of that is winning breeds continuing to win because you're nobody, nobody wants players. to be the team that doesn't win the conference once you get that reputation. Because of the alumni group, now you have to answer to that alumni group if you're the team. And in my 32 years, there was only four years that we didn't win the conference. So that in itself is amazing. Um, and in, from 1968 to 78 uh, was conference only. There was no this and where you play the... There was no Division three. Okay. Oh, so Division three yeah. doesn't yeah. even exist. It doesn't yet. even exist. Okay. So when Division three came in, uh, I always tell the joke, uh, we were the Division three champion of West Virginia. <laughs> Just be quiet. Who yeah, was, we're the only Division three school. Who, was gonna argue, who, who can argue it? Yeah. We so, used to say when I started for, for radio and TV, we were the best TV station, college TV station in Division three. Yeah. And no other Division three schools here. Yeah, so right. same idea. And but so but all of that played into and the fact that um, I was in the administration. Um, I went from the director of counseling to head of residence halls to then the uh, vice president for or dean of students and then the vice president and so forth. Well, you bring up the being the dean of students, and I, I have a story, and I know he's up there waiting for me to say it. Mm -hmm. Chuck, we know it's mm -hmm. been, I think, three years now. He always told a story uh, to us Alpha Sigs about how when you got in trouble the first time with JC as the dean of students, you didn't get called into the office. There was no principal meeting. You got, a, am guessing, a phone call or somebody told you you need to meet JC down across the street yeah. here. And treated you treated everybody like an yeah. adult, and it yeah. was we're going to have a beer, we're going to talk yeah. about what the issue is. Yes. The next meeting, and I guess you ended these meetings with saying this. The next time I talk to you, it'll be in my office, and it yeah. won't be like this. There will be no beer. There yeah. will be no. We will have a. So why that? Why was that your way of con uh, not confrontation, but the co confronting an issue? Well. Uh, that comes from my counseling background, as that's hard to believe. But, and yes, first thing you got to say, the drinking age in Bethany was 18. And, and this, let's say to West Virginia was 18. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like an illegal kind no. of thing. And it was a social opportunity to do that. Uh, so my, my style in doing it was, hey, we need to talk and get this straightened out. This, either you haven't been going to class or what was it that you, you did or, or what, whatever it happens to be. But you're right. It was a, a pecking order. The first one was to be that, hey, how could we work this out? The next one had to be more administrative. And, mm -hmm. and then eventually... Um, if you had to be... Yeah, and, and there are some... Uh, they, nobody out there likes to think this, but there are actually soccer players I kicked out of school. So, um, Which had to be hard for you, oh, too, because oh, yeah. these are guys that you have even more of a relationship with because sure. of... And, and one of them, years later, many years later... I got a phone call out of the clear blue saying, Coach, this is, not, whoa. He said, what have you been doing? He said, I just wanted to tell you, I never did. The best thing you did for me was to throw me out of Bethany because he said I had to get my head out and really concentrate on what I wanted to do. I wound up going to the service. I came out. I'm married. I've got kids. Everything seems to be going well. And when I look back about it, that was a changing moment. So it's there. Now, on the other side, I really like the other one where they come in. They are straight-A students. They get the, <laughs> no problem. the distinction. They make all conference. We get in the playoffs and move forward. That's the way That's the, the way we wanted to be. Right. But 
And as, as Coach Tall and, and all the coaches that are here realize, every person on your team is an individual that needs to be individualized and known as who they are and know me as I am. There's no cookie cutter. It's no. not a, everybody goes into no. the same. And, and you know, you got to tell this with well, teachers in school. You know, there are certain kids you need to push and kick in the butt a bit. And there's other kids where you got to put your hand on their shoulder and say, hey, come on, this will work out. How can I help you and let's get it done? Mm -hmm. So knowing which style to use is the trick and the art. And I think for the most part, one of my strengths is many of my former soccer was knowing when to do that. Yeah. So when you really have to give the push and when you have to give the hug. And I think those are a, a part of what we still need a lot of well, in general. So you bring that up. That's a good place to, I, I, I have to ask this question. With, with the way education, and not just specifically no. Bethany, but is that something that's lost now that we want to put everybody in this cookie cutter, this is how we're going to fix it? We're not, as, we're not reaching as much to connect with the individual student or? I, I think there's a real push to try to get the individualization back into it and not have a cookie cutting approach. I know for my grandkids, which I have seven, um, they are all very different. Mm -hmm. I treat them the same, but yet different as individuals. Uh, and I think that's what most of the school districts are trying to do. Is that you're, you're part of our school, Yes. but we understand that you are your own person. Yes. Okay. And, and that you have to take responsibility for whichever it is for being your own person. Mm -hmm. um, that's my grandson who actually will be 18 to 17th of May. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. And that was the day that my last official convo at Bethany with graduation was that year. And I was leaving Bethany as soon as graduation was over. I handed the last diploma. I went to Cleveland to watch my grandson be born. So that's how I can keep that connection all the time. And he's just decided that after everything else, college is not for him. He doesn't particularly like school. He's now going to go to an electrical union and learn how to be an electrician and do this. Which is a great thing. And I told him yes and hurry up. Yeah, you <laughs> I need some <laughs> you need some electrical. So but given that, that's and then on the other side, my oldest grandchild, Taylor, which is a female, she's gonna be Taylor whether she was a boy or a girl, the name was chosen. Um, and she just is Dr. Taylor Cunningham now from WVU Medical School. Wow, well, congratulations uh, last that. week. And uh, so how she's been treated, how each of them is different. I tried to do that same thing with students as the dean of students. Mm -hmm. um, and as you would know from Alpha Sig, and you would know in the, the Sigma News, the Delts, everybody had their own little identity. Or what they were. Or, or at least what perceived or they wanted to be perceived as. But when you really get down to it, we wanted them to all be successful as people. And Greek life, which I think is something that has really been lost in the, the newer era at Bethany. Well, and it takes, many schools. it's yeah. taken a very big, Greek life as a whole has taken a huge attack yeah. because you, it's more look at the animal house yes. way and not what the fraternities individually do. Yeah. Right. And where the fraternities are really thriving 
are on certain kind of schools where there's a real discipline that goes with it. Mm -hmm. My granddaughter is a graduate of High Point. All of their fraternity houses and sorority houses are exactly alike. They're in a Greek village, and it's a community. Almost as WNJ just exactly. Did that. Yes. And so that's one of the new ways of trying to keep the Greek life and your alumni that are Greek involved and those kind of things. At Bethany, unfortunately, you know, we've lost KA, we lost Sigma Nu, we lost uh, SAE, and, and, and then on the female side, you lost KD. Yeah. I, there's another one that I was told, but it's uh, always it's always the everybody that we uh, talk oh, to, gosh. it's always a name yeah. that like yeah, right. it's there, but it's not there. Oh gosh, and I I know that like, <laughs> the tip of my tongue, and I, I'll get it. Uh, It'll and, come out. And, and Darlene Nicholson, who mm -hmm. was a long time Miss Nick, uh, Miss Nick, um, was the advisor to that group, and um, they they their house was over in McDermott, over in that area, and they were just a. A wonderful scholarly group, mm -hmm. and but as it is always, there's a, in, even within as you know the pledge classes are big, and all of a sudden you go about again to debit time. Yep. But but that that aspect, the social, the athletic, the the pressures, the the working through that in a fraternity house, same as the, the bigger institution mm -hmm. in general. Um, you were the president of the house, so you know within the house. This is the guy who said, "Holy mackerel! Look, Jay, if you don't get your butt out of and get your crush, you're not going to be able to be an Alpha Sigma. Yeah, you can't be here anymore because and, they're going to be kicked off the team, and you're going to we're going to lose that. So, but then you would, and sure, and the others in the house would go to that person and say, "Hey, how how could I help you?" Absolutely. Now, I think in general, and this is uh, uh, from all those years, Bethany does an excellent job of that most of the time mm -hmm. and i think still does from the two students that i still have contact with i still uh, do some work with the beta theta pi group um of which i closed their house yeah um so well and that's even an interesting story because if people people my generation of bethany wouldn't even know that beta had ever gone away yeah unless you yep. like i like i had the opportunity to speak with you a lot of times being here sarah lynn yep. um Chuck, there was, I mean, there's a video apparently Chuck has of the old house being, yeah, well, he doesn't have it now, but, but yeah. somebody has, there's a cassette tape of the house coming down. Yeah, right. And it was a, uh, a big ordeal to have that house replaced with the one that's modern. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we actually asked them to give up their charter for three years is what it took. And that was in cooperation with the president of the house. Uh, who also said, I cannot control this group of people. Yeah, he had lost control. Yeah, he had lost okay. control. And the alumni were very concerned about uh, So they made the decision along with the national to close it. Uh, and Not was, easy in a school like no. this either. And when it came back, the idea is it would come back stronger. And they made their academic standards so much higher than all the other groups. So they... That was their nation to get back and get it back on solid ground. Well, and their so, alumni group I think more, and, and if somebody's out there that's a beta, please don't take yeah, this no. offensively, but I think their alumni group really does a, a good job of the, the academic scholarship, yeah. which draws people in, which is, that's the other problem with Greek life is, yeah. eventually you got to pay these dues, yeah, right. and, and it's yeah. not a cheap thing, right. yeah. but I mean, Frankie and I are going through it right now with, we're trying to figure out how do you motivate somebody yeah. To where that alumni group and I think Phi Taw's alumni group are very big in the. We want to get the academics. Right. We want the smart cup. We 
And that's something I'm going to have to ask you when the last time Alpha Sig won. I think it's somewhere in the 80s. We hosted a national conference here. I think it right locks up with that. It might be 1980. I I know that when I was when I became president, there was a very big we're going to win the Smarty Cup, and I had to I had to look at the alumni and go. I'm going to be honest with you. The group we have, we're we're we're, we're good people. But we're not we're not A's and B's as much as we're we had our A's and B's, but we were we were C plus guys. That's what we were. And and generally, and you know this mm -hmm. too, is that each group takes its own identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the five toss at one point had most of the people from the choir. Yeah, they were excellent. They would win every year. Greek sing, like Greek sing, mm -hmm. and whatever did it. Um, and on the other side, the Alpha Z's were always considered to be that brain thrust and. The Zetas were the, um, be careful I would do this in this general thing, but they were really uh, the very socialites. They yeah. were the ones that were out and about doing the parties and all this kind of things. And the KDs were uh, a combination of both the very academic and the uh, kind of the stay at home. Yeah. Um, and so given all of those little things, that we, no, it's not true. There's all different kind of people in every group, but that was kind of the identity. Yeah. So, the same thing in true in sports. Um, the baseball teams at one year under Carver, they were probably the best athletes on campus. Jan Forsties had a great run at softball. Um, and the soccer yourself, program man. that we had. Um, and uh, for a while, basketball with Scotty in the uh, late 80s. Andrew Sachs, had, he had brought that back. And, and uh, Dave Waddle when he was mm -hmm. here with uh, cross country and track. So And Bob going with football. I exactly. Mean. And uh, so... And all of those things made the fiber of Bethany what it was. Any one of those single things, you take it away. Take it, it away. Removes. Yeah, but when you weave the whole fabric and you look at it, the academic support from the faculty, the support of the administration, and I mean, every case from the president down, and the athletic department, their willingness to share and to do the work for each other and things of that nature. Um, those all made Bethany what was special to so many of the alumni that continue to be involved and want to come back. Um, and Jamal Robinson is now the trustee, the vice president of Netflix. Yeah. I dropped him a note last night and, and said, Jamal, it's hard to believe it wasn't that long ago that you and Craig Cunningham, my nephew, were on the first play when they both were freshmen. And... Jamal, of course, you know, his size and he's what I thought this has to be the new tackle coming up from Georgia <laughs> or the new center for the football or the basketball team. Nope. So in the orientation of students, I said, Jamal, and, and do you play sports? He said, no. I said, oh. So what do you do? He said, theater. I just, you know, but just because of his size. His and size. And then to think of Jamal in a Navy outfit doing, uh, God. What was the name of the play? But it's the one. But they were wonderful. He and my and my nephew uh, was a very good in theater as well. He's now in uh, St. Louis after being in Chicago and Second City and doing all those things. Well, you since you brought Jamal up, I'm going to do it. It's got. I got to do a shameless plug because every time an alumni's name, Jamal, if you are watching, we would love to have you on the show. I know your schedule's busy. But we'd love to get you here. Um, my last question before we, we close out this first part, from the administration side, so you wore a bunch of hats. Yes. How did, how did you ba balance, because like you said, you had a full-time job at Bethany, 
But you had another full-time job being the soccer coach. Yes, and a dad, and a and, and a, yeah. Well, I think the two things that I of my personality, and one I don't know when not to work. I continue to work uh, early morning. I still get up early, and I'm. Up. I see you every morning when I'm up for my coffee. I, I used to always tell the story. I don't go to bed till two thirty because that's when the bar closed. And not that I was there all the no, time. No, but you had but to be on. But that's when I was going to get the phone call saying. Who was uh, walking you know, through right, or, or who whatever happened. Whatever happened along the line, right. So, um, And the the other side of that, and, and I think this will lead into a good segue to the, when we come out of this break. Um, so you pointed out your first your first season, you're on the turf. Well, you're on the, the at the yes. stadium, on the football yes, field. Right. When does Hogue become Hogue? When does that, the bowl, when does it become the soccer field? What yeah. was it before it was a soccer just a, just a hill? I mean, the Hogue Field was a product of John Graham, who was the treasurer and business manager at Bethany, a mm -hmm. Bethany grad. And he was a very most creative finance person and so forth. Um, there was something called a ramp grant. It was a rural amended mine program. And that's what we got a quarter million dollars to build the... So that was an old mine at one point? Yes, that was the college dump. Okay. And so where the bleachers are now, that dam wasn't really there. Okay. And so they built the dam, and doing that provided on the side of it, and you weren't allowed to build a soccer, or you weren't allowed to build an athletic field. But it so happens that Mr. Graham asked me, what's the size of a field in case we wanted to practice down there? Or so, and then all of a sudden. So that's the way it basically okay. started. And then Bill Hogue, who was a trustee um, graduate, mm -hmm. um, Sigma knew, but lived in the Alpha Sig house when that was married students' apartments, the old house. Up there, up there yeah, at Point Breeze. Yeah, yeah okay. Point Breeze. And Bill was one of the most generous, kind, persons I've ever met. He and his wife, Betty, and uh, Carolyn Hogue, their granddaughter, was a graduate mm -hmm. of Bethany not long ago. And uh, Bill was on the trustees, and when we were talking about the field and how what we needed to do, he said, what do we need to do to make it the best around? So we gave him the a drawing of what we thought, and then he said, okay, uh, how much lumber do you need? And that's why it's wood. He owned West Elizabeth Lumber. Okay. And was in one of the first people to be involved with womanized uh, wood. And so he was very successful in that area. So he basically donated all the wood that's with Hope Field mm -hmm. and the hardware. And then uh, Dan Troby and Jose Gallegos and Pedro Cuesta built it. Wow. Um, as they were graduating seniors. And uh, Dan wanted to be a, uh, a carpenter and do that kind of thing. And he presented the best drawings and what we did. And they did it and wound up being so from the early 80s uh, through till 90. Uh, it was nothing like it quite is today. It had the, the field and the, some of the bleachers. And then in 90, we rededicated the field uh, as Hogue Field. Okay. And uh, the family came and they continued to sponsor it to both financially, but more importantly in spirit of, yeah, this is, 
this has done what we hoped it was going to do when we built the field. Well, it's still even to this no. to this day, it's gorgeous. It's it's that feeling for you know I I I was here two thousand and ten the last I, I believe that's the last year we we made the run we had the championship was up on the turf, yep. but there's and there's a difference as a football player you know playing at the stadium is it's great. Yep. Because you're on a college field and you're, it's that small community. But playing in Hogue, or even being a fan in Hogue, yes. one, there's no escape. No. If you're a visiting guest, there is no escaping. Right. You're going to hear yeah. what's said and you have to continue to play. But the other thing that I think makes Hogue, and, and I can remember as a freshman walking down there the first time and seeing the Bethany. Mm -hmm. Right in the back, yep. beautiful white flower, and I think now they, they were doing. They had done a, for a long time. They'd done spray paint, yep. but I can remember these flowers that were. It's the fall, and yep. they're just yep. beautiful. They're they're bloom, but it's our like it's ours. Right. It's there's no doesn't matter where you are. Yep. You take a picture of it. You're in Bethany, and it's going to tell you. Yep. Um, it was a wonderful uh, improvement, and it really was the signature for Bethany soccer starting in the 79 and 80 mm -hmm. and carrying all the way through. In 82, uh, we were second in the nation and had a good opportunity to win it. And the game was supposed to be played at Hogue Field. Politics and a bunch of other things got into it. So we wound up playing at UNCG Greensboro but and they come in i think in the next part they they come in a couple times in this story and the thing about uncg greensboro that year they did not have a legitimate field so we wound up playing on another guilford college okay we wound up playing at their field instead of having a home game and uh we wound up losing 2-1 still a great contest and all that and uh, but it was a game that we could have won in that particular year. Like many, there were a lot of issues that went on within the team. Mm -hmm. um, we had, that didn't maybe surface on the of yeah. their play, but it was behind the scenes. Right, and some of that was, uh, and the same thing in '94. We had we had some disputes with captains and who was going to be doing this and doing that and whatever. It happens. It's spam. <laughs> I know they don't. They don't leave you alone either. No. Uh, so anyway, in doing that, one of the things that I really have come to recognize is that the contributions from Bill Hogue, from Perry Gresham, to uh, Doctor Bullard, who uh -huh. wasn't in favor of sports but saw the need of having it, and those faculty members from the Carl Schwein first to Jack Lozier to current. Barry Kappel, yes, if you had. Uh, those faculty members, I think, embraced soccer because it was, for the most part, an international sport, and it also was, for the most part, most of the players were pretty academic. Absolutely. And so, therefore, it was, uh, I think, a good mix for Bethany. Uh, well, and I think that's a good place. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to. Remind, I want to come back to lacrosse. We will, for 100%, yeah, we yeah. will come back. Um, yeah. So I'm going to send it to another Bethany alumni, Kieran K.J. Dunn, one of my fraternity yeah. brothers. He runs Maple Shade Outdoors. Uh, when you look up Maple Shade Outdoors on Instagram, it's going to be maple underscore shade period outdoors. Or you can just go to YouTube 
and hit subscribe on Maple Shade Outdoors. You don't have to do the underscore of the period and all that. Uh, KJ's been a huge support of the show, um, and I'm hoping that that we get him. We can build his channel. We can build my channel. So don't forget, this is John Cunningham, Coach. Uh, I, I want to. I mean, you are a legend when it comes to, <laughs> especially in the Division Three world. Yeah, you right. are a legend. Uh, we're going to come right back. I am Carla Guadagnino, and this is Dingo Talk. KJ, take it away. What's going on, everybody? This is Kieran Dunn, founder of Maple Shade Outdoors. You're currently watching Dingo Talk with my man, Carlo. If you're anything like me and you're really enjoying this content, you should like and subscribe his page. You, while you're on YouTube, you should probably just head over and like and subscribe Maple Shade Outdoors. Check out our page. Enjoy some videos and some outdoor content. You might as well hop on Instagram, Facebook, follow us, Maple Shade Outdoors. Now that's enough about me. I'm trying to get back and watch the rest of Dingo Talk. So I'll talk to y'all later. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Show. My guest is legendary Bethany soccer coach and Division Three soccer coach, John Cunningham, who also wore probably every hat except for president here at the college. And at one point, I'm sure you were interim president because it seems to be where... No, I never quite got there and I'm probably relieved. As my boss used to always tell me, being number two is not so it's, bad. It's easy. It's easier to be two than one. Exactly. So, uh, so what we're going to do in this part, a little different. We're going to go 70s, 80s, 90s, and then we'll progress through the 90s and kind of talk to JC about what he's doing now, how the how everything kind of when you walked away and and all that. But let's start in the 70s because I know that there was a lacrosse program that also comes to fruition that was pretty good. Right. And, and the thing about the 70s, many of our athletes were multiple sport athletes. And uh, so I was blessed again. Mm -hmm. uh, Kurt Collins, who was from Florida, was an all-PAC baseball player. Who you also have as a as soccer, as a soccer player. player. Now, was he all-conference in soccer, too? Or? Yes. Oh, Jesus. So he and, was just an athlete. captain both teams when he was a senior. Uh, so there was that type of thing. And uh, outstanding track people. Mm -hmm. uh, and... That opportunity to do both, a couple of swimmers, and, and so the athletes were doing more than one sport, which leads to my lacrosse story. Um, Larry Altman came for the Bethany from a, an alum, Bill uh, McKee, who was on our first team. Larry played for him up in uh, Rochester, New York. Okay. He recommended him here, along with Rich Sikinolfi and a number of, we had a good connection in that part of New York, and this fellow by the name of Bill Korn came to Bethany as a lacrosse player, uh, along with uh, Harris Buckland, who was from Avon Old School in Connecticut, okay. who was also wound up eventually being in our admission office after he graduated. But they were outstanding athletes and outstanding lacrosse players. So at the time, there was no college lacrosse. Everything was club, just like our soccer club had been. And they wanted to get to a varsity status, but... There weren't enough schools in the so, PAC to do that. So they played Pitt, WVU, uh, traveled up to into Michigan. They, they played one of the most difficult lacrosse schedules. You can what? Really? To play, and they won most games. Um, well, because you brought up that the conference at one point had John Carroll in it, and John yes. Carroll has still historically yes. right. is one of the greatest lacrosse programs yeah. in America. Right. And you had John Carroll, and then there was uh, Allegheny, but then you had the Pitts, the WVUs, and that the, are scholarship yeah, players. The yeah. scholarship players. So anyway, Bethany was just really known at that point 
as one of the best lacrosse schools as well as one of the better soccer schools. We hadn't got the game best yet. Uh, it comes though. It was coming. <laughs> so those 70s were our, that was the bridge, what I call the bridge to the success we had now. The work that we put in from 70 to 80 was the foundation for what was to come. Mm -hmm. And it took us from 1968 through 78 to get to where we got invited then to the NCAA Division III tournament. And as we mentioned earlier, we were NAIA for Early. the first four years. Absolutely. And then the Division Three started, and when it did in 74, the PAC as a whole conference joined Division Three. So that's when we started our procession into the thing. So in the 70s, we were PAC champions every year except one, mm -hmm. two, the very beginning year, and then one other time. And then in the 80s, when the Paul Haywards and the Denistons and the Jim Regans and my Canadian connection, which I should get, um, came to be a, a hallmark of really good soccer. Mm -hmm. And we were tough, they were physical, but they also played a very good brand of soccer. And that, in 1980, was the first year that we got into the NCAA, and we did well. Uh, and oh, so, hold on, I got to bring up, you, you, we, before we get into the NCAA, we, for, we, 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 we forgot to talk about Danny mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the fact that they invite you, well, they, yeah, yeah. you get invited into the NAIA tournament, yeah. they call you up and say, oh yeah, we'll come up and play at your yeah. place, yeah. which is, for those of you that don't know, the practice fields down by, as you're going towards Campbell Mansion, that is where field. you played your games. Right. So Danny comes in, and there's a there's a little bit of a more of a story. I'll let you tell sure. it. But uh, Davidson Elkins was a perennial, uh, nationally ranked team, and uh, when their athletic director called and said we'd like to come and play at Bethany, uh, help build your program, so forth. So we were oh so excited about hosting. First time we invited into an NAI tournament, and we get to host a game. Boom. So anyway, the game goes, we lose 7 nothing, <laughs> And it was an unbelievable um, hurt. But at the end of the game, I said to the guys on the team, look, if we want to be at that level, you just saw what it's going to be to get there and mm -hmm. the kind of play that we have to have. So that's that. Roll the camera ahead now 10 more years. Well, wait, 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 there's a little secret there why they came up here too, right? Oh, yeah. They came up to play because there was a rule. Yes, not very important because why the Davidson Elkins athletic team was so willing to come here, they knew they would probably roll over us. And that the way it was then, you could not play two home games in a row. In the tournament. In the tournament. So they, they figure come up here, win, and then they would host the next one, which they did, and they went on to win the national championship. So, so you will lose to the inevitable yes, right. NAI national and, champion, and we got crushed. <laughs> well, you said we talked about how you, you got one shot that was a beautiful, yeah, right. just, and that was it. That was yeah, kind yeah. of the last yeah. time. Yeah. But so now we fast forward ten years. We're into the eighties, and I told the guys at that in the first one, you know, our goal was to get to that level. Mm -hmm. 1980, we're playing at Davis and Elkins, and late in the game, it's a 2-2 game, uh, Mike Ald, who had scored 25 goals, one of our unbelievably young players from Washington, PA, mm -hmm. not international, whatever, true Americans, 
and he backed into their big back, Ian McDonald, who's now the coach now. coach at WNJ, and was their sweeper back. And Mike is very, he was a wrestler as well, only a 130-pound guy. Pulls under uh, big Ian, who's 6'3", whatever, and uh, Ian pulls him down. We get a penalty kick and win 3-2. Ten years later. Ten years later, it took us to win against B&E. After the game, I told our current team then, look, you guys just made my history. It took us that long to get there, and then I told them the story. And then that continued to be another threshold we wanted to be. So then we got invited the next year into the NCAA, mm -hmm. played at Ohio Wesleyan, uh, which was also a nationally known soccer program against Denison University. And uh, we wound up getting into the, uh, uh, the championship game and we lost to Ohio Wesleyan in the, in the final. But the fact that we got there and won our first game and moved on, we set a new standard. So the rest of the 80s, we were in the NCAA tournament every year for the whole 80s. And uh, unbelievably good run and successful. Um, and several of those years were against UNCG Greensboro. That's why I said, I told you guys it was going to come back. Cause <laughs> and UNCG Greensboro was the only team that we played more than once that I never had a winning. We are 0-6. Okay. And the one that we played here, which was the last time we played them before they went Division I, um, we lost 2-1 to one at Bethany, and it was just a real crusher because we always had to go there, the first five, and we said, if they ever had to come to Bethany, we'd be a different. Well, unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be that way. Um, but it was another milestone for us. And the fact that UNCG Greensboro won three national championships going through us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had to get through <laughs> Bethany to, to go to win the title. And those were all at their place. Mm -hmm. And actually, one time, it was actually where Frankie just came from, uh, North Carolina Wesleyan. But anyway, those were great years in the 70s and then into the 80s. And the Canadian connection, real quick. Yeah. Jim Regan and Les Beck were on their way in 1976 to D&E, they got lost, and, it appeared. and they wound up coming into Bethany, and Larry Altman, the lacrosse guy we just talked about, was over going into what's the college inn to get snuff. See who's that? And he hears these two guys talking on the payphone. That's something. On the corner. Yeah, if you don't know what a payphone is, it was on the corner by... Uh, Ethel's then, yep. which is now the college in. Coming in, coming in January, if you don't know. And they were telling somebody, we're lost and we're trying to still get there. And Larry said to him, where are you trying to get to? They said, well, we're soccer players from Canada. We're trying to get to Davidson Elkins. And Larry says, you're never going to get there at this time of night. He said, why don't you just come on down to the KA house, stay over tonight with us and go there tomorrow. As it would be, they said to the KA house and never left. So they never did go to D&E. They wound up staying. Opens the Canadian door. And Jim Regan, and it was our first, he and Les Beck were our first two Canadian soccer players. Every year since that, when I coached, we had at least one Canadian, if not more, Canadian soccer players. And uh, it's, roll uh, the forward again. <laughs> Sean Regan, Jim's son, then becomes the coach at Bethany later. Well, but we'll and, pick that up. And Jim's pretty successful himself oh, as yeah. a coach down at Wheeling. 
for yes, a long time. Yeah, oh yes, he is. He's a Division II, um, nationally ranked coach. Um, made it through in their golden years of, again in the 80s and the early 90s, uh, being a nationally ranked uh, soccer coach. And uh, so those friendships, which is what you talked about earlier, the whole mm -hmm. thing with Bethany. When I think about my successes, it's those friendships and those long-term um, involvement with current players that then lead on to be alumni and and now, they come back and they want to give back. And now I'm a grandfather of those people. So those guys actually have kids and they have kids and I'm a grandfather. <laughs> you look at so I stayed a while, way, way long. But anyway, the 80s were the glory years. That's when we talked about earlier, Hope Field. Yeah. All of those things came together to build on the reputation that Bethany got in those late 70s, early 80s, and it's just never looked back and kept going. So then you get to the 90s. 90s. Where, now at this point, you've lost... Since you've been a PAC member, you've lost three years yes. totally. Yes. That you and, and you're only going to lose one more that right. you don't win the win the conference. Right. For those of you who don't know, Bethany holds 19 conference championships. Yes. And I don't think I'd have to look it up. But I had 19 in a row, and we had 20 out of my 32 years. 28 of them. So would have been conference championships. So 28 conference championships, and the next closest team, I'd have to look up the number, but it's not even. And the PAC, when you're talking, um, you know, we talk about football, W&J Thomas Moore. You talk about uh, baseball, W&J Thomas Moore. Uh, Bethany is in there for the 90s, but it's not really. Basketball, you're, Bethany had, had made a name for itself, but it also had some down years. In soccer, it was... Of oh, yeah. 32 years, 28 yeah. times, you're the, right. the big dog. Yeah. And it was you know, a success program. And, and we talked about there's been a major change in the conference. Thomas yes. Moore wasn't around, and, and uh, Carnegie Mellon wasn't down there. They weren't, now they're back. Yeah. So there's an Allegheny College, um, Case Western, and Reserve, which were two mm -hmm. different schools. All of those components, as they changed, we were fortunate enough to still be at the top, at least on the soccer side. Yeah. And that was a lot of the teams continuing to be their recruiters. Well, in the 80s also sees your first birth in a national title game. Yes. As you lose in the championship, as you pointed out, to Ohio, right. Ohio Wesleyan, um, and a 2-1. We, we wound up the national championship was against Greensboro. Oh. That's the first time we, we met them. It should have been a home game. Lots of things happened, but we had politics and such. UNCG Greensboro, and we wound up playing the game there, and uh, we lost two to one. Side story on that: the Bob Vanderwalker, who was the center referee, mm -hmm. was the also the coach at. Um, I know this. You've told me this story. And he was the coach at uh, James Madison University, and he was. A, First of all, it was about 32, 33 degrees. There was no green. Everything was brown grass, black lines, um, so forth. And he made a call very early on, um, and they awarded a penalty kick to UNCG Greensboro based on a ball that bounced up and hit Tim Fieldhouse's hand. It wasn't even close to going in the goal. It was going towards out of bounds. But he awarded the kick. They scored. Later on, they 
scored again on a ball that Alan Barnes gave away, and so it's like a known goal again. Yeah. So we're down, and we came back to 2-1. Game ends. Uh, we're in the locker room, disappointed, of course, and there's a knock on the door, and it's the head referee, Mr. Vandewalk. And he says, Coach, could I speak to your team for a moment? And I said, sure. So he came in and he said, I just want to tell you that this was a great game to referee. And he said, the rule is for referees that you should not influence the outcome of a game. And he influenced the game. And he said, I want to apologize from the standpoint that I did influence this game because. And as a part of that, after he had called the first handball in the box, later on, 15, 20 minutes, a ball in the middle of the field bounces up and hits Ross Brown's hand, another one of my former players, mm -hmm. hits him in the hand and he yells, play on. I rarely did this, but I'm up off the bench. Hey, if it's play on there, why did you call the one in the box? Well, but, and him coming to the door, yes. is that the only time in your career that a, oh, an official came and admitted that it's the only time I've ever had an official after a game or actually apologize, apologize or I, I shouldn't say apologize. He acknowledged that that it was, he acknowledged the fact that he did influence a game and he recognized that after the fact that it was probably not a good call. Which but, is probably why later on in the game, that yeah. 20 minutes later, he... Yeah play on because now he's in his head that and it was bad conditions and uh, again we lots of things went into that mm -hmm. um, what part of that story <laughs> and this is I got so many stories we're gonna have you back yeah, don't but, worry but this one is one I wish that we would have had film pictures iPhones whatever so after being told we weren't gonna have a home game we had to go to Greensboro to play we're on the super van, mm -hmm. none of this stuff, no big buses and all that. So you have a super van, we have 26 people in it, and we're on our way to the Pittsburgh airport and right past Burgettstown, which happens to be my hometown, the van breaks down. Oh! So uh, Tom Kale is the, the, the van driver, is also the mechanic for Bethany to school, so he looks at it and says, oh, we have a broken uh, fan belt or something. I said, oh my gosh, you know, we only have a certain time to get to the airport. So I got somebody picked me up, took me back to Burger Sound, which I knew to the guy. I got a tow truck to come and mm -hmm. see if they could repair this thing quickly, get us on the road. He said, there's no way we can do this within less than three or four hours. So I said, oh crap. I said, how about you put us onto your tow truck and you tow us from there? to the Pittsburgh airport. And then you can fix it whenever you want. And then yes. you can fix it so green towing, literally. <laughs> so if you can imagine 26 people <laughs> in a super van going to the Pittsburgh airport. And the old Pittsburgh airport had a great big um, water uh, thing in front fountain. of it. it, it oh, fountain, yeah, and it was their trade identity coming in there. So we called the airport. They're holding the airplane for us. So we finally get to the Pittsburgh airport, and everybody's piling out of this and getting into where we had to go and so forth. Nowhere that I know of, and if anybody out there has a picture of it, <laughs> we'd sure love to have it, but it was just the most odd set of circumstances that would happen, and then we lost the game like that. And then on the way back, there's a lightning storm, so we're... You're, you're on a plane and you oh, yeah. So then we're trying to fly back. So they fly us from Greensboro to Atlanta. 
and we sat there for eight hours before we could get a plane back to Pittsburgh. So it was one of the most memorable and one of the most frustrating things as a coach and administrator. But that Bethany welcomed us back like unbelievably. The crowd, you know, the fire trucks, mm -hmm. the whole kind of thing. And uh, but again, it set the next stage of where we wanted to be going into the nineties. So, so, and now here's the so, we are the you are you are the team. Right. So we we had a wonderful whole decade that eighties of great Bethany soccer. Mm -hmm. Rogue Field came into play as we talked about. So that facility as well as our play made us recognizable as one of the top Division three teams in the nation. And this is a young Division three. I mean, right. you're talking, yep. you guys are kind of the, you came along as the birth of Division three. It's exactly. kind of a head-on collision to each other. And it, it, so it worked. So we get to the 90s, but the Canadian connection is still coming. And beginning in 91 and 92, I actually had 53 guys on the soccer team. 53-man roster. What are you, the NFL? You're the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, yes. And <laughs> so we were fortunate enough again that rules changed. But at that time, you could actually play in a Sunday league if you weren't in a regular varsity game. Week. So we had a, a varsity team, a JV team, and a club team. That was the Sunday league. The Sunday league. Okay. And we played in the Greater Pittsburgh Soccer League. So all of those guys had an opportunity to play, which kept most of them here. And got the experience. And so then in uh, 1993, we had probably the best team I've had. Uh, Jake and George Williams, uh, I mean, uh, it was great soccer. And we finished, I think, 17-3-1. And, and we expected to be hosting. And we found out that we didn't get into the tournament because the NCAA then said, the champion of every league got an automatic berth. And in our particular division, we were in the South then. That meant that each of those teams that they won got in, came down between Shenandoah and Bethany. And, they and Shenandoah had a great year, huh? but they weren't a Bethany. And uh, soccer was. But the committee made that decision and I got the worst phone call again, uh, saying we weren't in. Um, so we we wound up sucking through that and made some decisions. Bill Denniston, who was the captain of the team, now coach at Robert Morris for years and whatever, um, wrote one of the nastiest letters I've ever seen <laughs> under my name to the NCAA and to the. So I get these correspondence going back and forth. I had no idea what they talked about. What are you but anyway, basically what he said is that we deserve to be there. However, these rules are established, it's unfair when some of the best teams don't don't make it. don't get an opportunity to play. Roll the camera again. Ninety-four, we lost five games. We were twelve, five, and one, and we get a call. We're in. And this is a team that you said there's a lot of there's a lot of behind the scenes turmoil. Who's the captain? Yeah, who's right. oh. Lots yeah. of things going on, and uh, we, we first time we ever lost to Hiram, ever. I mean, we'd been 16, 15, 12 goals up, and, you know, and uh, we, but that year we lost to them up there in a mud bank game. Uh, and we thought, well, we're probably not going to make it. So there's 32 teams that get into the NCAA tournament. We were number 32. And you ran the table. And we ran the table. And uh, some of the best soccer we've ever played was during that period of time. Well, and 
let's talk about yep. the guy that he had to go to practice. Yes, Frank Tall. Who doesn't play? Uh, he's not a starter in the national in the national championship game, coming off of an injury. Right. But the mentality of what what it seems like, and I you know I talked to Marcus, who yep, I will right. touch on. Yep. Because uh, I want to tell everybody how we ended up setting this interview up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Frankie even admitted that, you know, he had, there was a very tough moment where he had to look at himself and say, the best thing for the team is for me to say, I'll, I'll come, if I have to come in, I'll, I'll come in. Who was Frankie's replacement and what all went into that? Aaron Squire, who's from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. also an excellent baseball player, still. Um, the dual and, sport athlete. And Aaron uh, was strong in the air, didn't have the same soccer sense that Frankie and Star and they had, but he was very good at what he did if you're not going to come by me very easily. Mm-hmm. And we changed the system that year. Um, and Eric Fries, who was then the coach at Lindsley and da 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 da, was an excellent forward. But wasn't scoring goals. Okay. And we, after we lost those couple games in the beginning, we made a change in our formation and went back to three defenders, two stoppers, three midfielders, and two up front. Okay. And in doing that, we moved Eric Freeze from the front back to one of the two stoppers with Sean Meal, who was from England, very good in the air but slow. Freeze was quick. So that compliment, that combination, just really, really turned out to be. Why we wound up winning all of that. Well, and let's walk through. So let's walk through the national championship game. So you're there. We we got when they got the phone call and told us we were in. So wow. Then we again had to go to Greensboro, (laughs) which is my favorite place. Yeah, you seem to go there a lot. So we go to Greensboro and uh, we played to a two-two regulation game tie. Went into the overtimes. Still tied at 2-2. And we were playing a man short because Dauda had gotten um, a head injury and went off. And uh, I'm sorry, but anyway, we were a man short, go into the, got through all of that, and we wound up winning in the penalty kicks. Boom. Um, then we get in the locker room and Freeze, who had then had a concussion, the next day, we're ready to come out to play against Virginia Wesleyan, and I've written all the another, stuff. There's another definite connection there, but yeah, all the stuff on the blackboard. Da 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 da. I turn around and freeze it, erased everything, and put "We win." So, in the fiftieth year, when we gave out the little cassette, what's on it? We win. We win. That that became our. Model. model that we were had for the rest of the tournament. We went. We didn't care. We're going to. We're not going to. We're not going to look at this. This is what it is. We yeah. So that's we then. So we played Virginia Wesleyan and again into overtime. And the film, for whatever reason, whoever was filming the game, we never saw the winning goal. We won one zero. But you never seen the, the ball came across and Pat Ritchie. I know uh, Pat uh, was the one who all of a sudden thing. Just an odd throw. He's in. there. He's in, and the ball goes in the net. Uh, we watched it from every angle, and but you could hear everybody screaming. So we wound up. So we won the South. Okay. And then we left then and came back, and we had to play UC San Diego, 
and the, the NCAA flip-flops. We could have been going to San Diego, but it was time for the West to come to us. So we actually got a home game. This you night. host the, we host the it. and that's the semifinals to yes. go to the, okay. So we're at home, San Diego, which was the defending national champ again, just like we filed up way back when. And uh, you guys seem to draw yeah, these yeah. people. <laughs> so that game again, with we played extremely well under the circumstances. They had a, a, a lot of really good Hispanic players, mm -hmm. and all of that. And it was just a great game. We're winning two one with a minute to go, and we we have ways that we're supposed to not let what happened happen, but again freeze, trying to just do what we wanted to do is put the ball up in the other end. Ball, the ball comes back, it goes down. They get a, a long throw in for the corner with seconds to go. And the ball somehow gets in the mud, gets boom, boom, and goes in the net 2-2. So now you're going to your third overtime. Third overtime in a row. So we go to that game and uh, go to penalty kicks again. Well, we go to the two 10-minute playoffs and come back in penalty kicks. And the, their first four players make it. Our first four players make it. So it comes down now to number five. And they had a very strong kicker, which we knew. And our All-American goalkeeper, Malasala, and the ball is kicked. He dives to his right, mm -hmm. to the corner, and threw it the wrong way. The ball was going the other way. But in while in flight, in air, with his back heel, he hits the ball up in the air and it goes right back to the guy who kicked it. Unbelievable. And, it, it, and then, something you never see either, because normally... So, so then, so now, we still have to score. Yep. And Star Sanyang... Star. Uh, ...is an unbelievable penalty kicker, but he scares me every time he takes it because he's ambidextrous. So when he goes up to kick the ball, he might stop. And he, he kind of hesitates. And if the goalkeeper gives any sign which way he's going, he just taps it into the other corner. I mean, not tap it. It's never, it's never a rocket it's, shot. No. no. So anyway, that's what happened. And uh, their goalkeeper went one way and Star put it in the corner of the other, and we win. And there you are. Now you're in the national championship. This is yes. your second trip to the national yes, championship. Right, yep, right. The first one, you know, unfortunately, yep. you you take yep. the loss, yep. but that's in a, not in Division Three. That's in NAI. No, Just, that was still Division Three. Oh, yeah, that, that was the first time. Yeah. Okay. So then this one, when we go to the, it's, then that one we only had to go one game. Oh, I forgot to tell you about when we went to Wheaton, Illinois. That was the semifinal. Oh. And, uh, that was a long story too. But even Marge McCartney's new book that's coming out, you need to get her on the air. Uh, she is a diehard uh, uh, Chicago White Sox, I think, or Cubs, one of the two. I hope it's not the Cubs. And I'm she a Pirates is, fan. She is big time in uh, uh, communications and either lost her job or, or, anyway. So she decided to write a book about Bethany. Okay. And her years here. And it's a great story. So I won't go much further. See if you can get a hold of her. I will try. If I can get her back or do this Zoom or whatever. Yeah. She is a... Yeah, she's wonderful. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, she made the bus trip to Wheaton with all of our fans and whatever. Lots of stories in that. But we also won that in overtime. So every game leading up in, the, in all of these is overtime games. So, so we now, get to the national so this time when That was in 82. So when we go to this time, the, the semifinal and the final are back-to-back. -back. 
So we played um, Oshkosh, okay, uh, Wisconsin. They were 19-0-0. And uh, we wound up again after a very, they're a very good defensive team. They had a guy that could throw the ball in from the sideline all the way to the back post. So, but we know it was a great game. So we wound again 0-0. Zero, zero, two overtimes, back to penalty kicks. And this one we made it easier. We won 4-2 and didn't have to make it. That's it. But, so you but, win the national title there? No. That's next. That's oh, the semi. That's the semi final. So, so Jesus, there's a lot of overtime. I'm starting to lose track. Then, so then the next day we play Johns Hopkins for the national championship. And now is that game still in? You know, we were playing at Trenton, New Jersey. Okay. So, uh, and because of a high school game, whatever, we had to play the game like at 11 o'clock in the morning after playing that long game. Anyway, so we we're, it's a we we are playing again zero zero. Through the whole game, outstanding both ends. They had a, a goal scorer that had averaged uh, lots of goals and was uh, predicted. We we marked him well, but he had a couple chances. One time he hit the post, another. So there's always things that go into those. It's all about the bounce too. But I told you, I believe the cap's half full. So here we go. So anyway, after two overtimes, we go to the uh, um, penalty kicks. Oh no! I take I'm, I'm wrong story. Come back again. <laughs> this time, we went to the overtime. So it was all five. All five games were overtime. Yeah. In this one, um, we played the first ten minutes. Going into the second ten minutes, I made a sub, and there's a whole story behind the sub too. But I didn't put our starting forward back in. I put Steve Linquist okay. from Connecticut into the game in his place. Steve was one of the fastest guys on the team. Great skill, but he also had a uh, deficiency like with milk and things, so he could not play 90 minutes, but he was very, very skilled. Very okay. So into the game, that's 15, 10 minutes, so with 12, 15 minutes, because there were 12, I remember the time exactly, it was 12 minutes and 59 seconds left to on go the on the clock when we scored in the second overtime. But... It's not over then. No, because you so, have these twelve fifty nine. So I so like play twelve fifty nine, and when Steve went into the game, Malasala um, had caught a ball, punted it very quickly, boom, 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 and the ball bounced right before the halfway mark mm -hmm. over the defender's head. Steve went flying by him, straight down the the side, cut back in on the byline, and laid the ball right across the box in front of the goalkeeper, Pat Ritchie. Is again coming in from the left side, underside, boom, put the ball in the back of the net. So Dave Farmer, captain of the team, whatever, he pulls the team together. Hey, you can hear him on the film. No, it's not over. Come on, guys, we got to do our job. And that was the longest time I've ever had. That was, that was probably an hour worth of that 12 minutes. So we, wound, we wound up winning the national championship. And there were a lot of faculty, the Dr. Buckaloo and Burns and... Uh, uh, that made the trip. That made, yeah, fan buses. And, and to this day, that's the only national. I mean, you, brought, you pointed out that Jan, Jan, Jan Forsty had a great run. Yep. Carver had a great run through the 90s. But the only national champion to, yep. to, to put, bring one home yep. is still yep. the soccer program. Yeah, and it was some amazing, amazing, amazing. And I, I get 
tears went eye when I think, and those guys are still so close together. And they come back every year when we have VASA. And for those of you, we are, I think there's a there's a thought process to yep. this after the students are gone. We, we have a little bit less people in town. That we may there might be a VASA this right. year, which if you've never been to a VASA, you are missing out because... That's Bethany Alumni Soccer Association. And these guys... You'd think that they're still collegiate athletes. I mean, this is a very, it's a fun day. Well, it's a fun weekend, but that fun only lasts until you're in between the lines. And then it's, we're we're here to play. And we we try to play odd years versus even years. And so there's a whole lot of, and there's a great difference. I mean, Glenn Kelly's from the class of 68. And he was still coming back and playing. Stelios Papadopoulos. I remember meeting Stelios. And he oh. still can juggle the ball and do stuff that you can't believe at, at his age. Well, and here's a, this is the story that they don't know. is So in 94, you win a national title. Right. Come back the next year, oh. what happens? Um, <laughs> You're not in the... Everybody that we played was out for us, and... We had, and the amazing thing is, we had everybody on the team from 94 back, with the exception of the goalkeeper, and unfortunately, Danny Loman and several of the other goalkeepers, and that's not all their fault. I mean, a lot of things happening, you can never put it all no, on No, it's, it's a game. Um, I mean, it just didn't, we just didn't win games when we could have, and uh, we lost uh, to Kenyon. We lost a couple other teams that, that you had beaten. That, yeah, we had beaten, and it just we just didn't have it that particular year. And uh, and I, I think part of it is like it's it's any hard to win any major sport back to back. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you're talking, I mean, you look at the Penguins that did it a couple of years ago. They made a yeah, huge right. deal about how yeah. it's been how many years since yeah. somebody won a back to back in the NHL. I mean, it's. Yeah. Except UNCG Greensboro. They, they figured out how to do it every year against us. But anyway, I have a question yes, for you, and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this. But so there's two players that come anytime I talk to a soccer alumni, and you know, I'm very close with Frankie, so we've had these conversations multiple times. I know his opinion. Star or Stewart? Wow. Different style players, obviously. Two different style players. Both excellent. Both have the record of 65 goals. Mm -hmm. Um, But Star is a more um, complete soccer player. Stewart was a forward, a hardworking, um, as they would say in Scotland, he was from the uh, the inner city type yeah. of guy. You know, and he, he was, from what I heard, he was every bit of. Yeah, he was hard-nosed as you could get. And, and, and one of the things about Stewart, he would shoot from anywhere. And he scored goals because people thought, well, he probably won't shoot from there. And then bang. Yeah, and he did. And Starr, on the other hand, was just so fast, so agile, so complete, that he's probably the best soccer player we've had um, that was here more than a year. Um, the only other one would have been James Wong from 82. So... so- in advance, I had already had this in my head. Yep. This is where I'm going to stalk you, because I'd like to get you back okay. for the rest of my John Cunningham's <laughs> story. And I want to talk more, the next time we bring you back, I'd like to talk more about the yep. soccer camps. Yep. Um, the end of your time, as we pointed out, there's 28 out of 32 yep. conference titles. 
um, and kind of what you're doing now. And then maybe, you know, you never know. But I have one last story that I'm gonna get in. We're we're running out of we're running out of battery life okay, on that. Right, I got the I got it from our crew well, over here. Well, but I wanna for the people out there that don't know how this this yeah, yeah, yeah. came together. Um, this year, obviously, we did not have a a traditional homecoming. homecoming. There was a group that got together. Yep. Um, we wore we wore masks, and yep. I, I Frankie made a killing in selling soccer yep, right. masks. Yep. Um, and Marcus. Yes. So we're up here at, at, at the back of my house, and we have we're having a fire. Yep. And Thad Allen called me and said, "Hey, what are you, what are you, I, we saw you. We were driving by. What are you doing?" Well, we're having a fire. Well, come on down to the old Grimes house. Well, Marcus and Frankie and I, we, we, we made our way down there. I actually came back the next no, day, too. Right. And we walked in, and I remember talking to you, and, and you said the, the, just the sheer having Marcus back was right. one of those, because he was a little different of a player. I have not seen him in a long time. And so we started talking, and, and I, I said to JC way back, we were just early on in our alumni tour. Yeah. Uh, I said, you know, you're not, we're, we're not alumni, but the 32 years of being a Bethany, I mean, that's a sure. very long time. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff seen. We talked about Greek life today. We've talked about the soccer program, the lacrosse program, and everything else. Um, I wanted to say thank you because, you know, we've, we've in passing, always cordial. And I, that's how I knew what you're, I, I kind of, when Chuck told me the story about you yeah. and the way that you were as a dean of students, it didn't shock me yep. because I had gotten myself into yep. some trouble in the summer times. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you've never worked in the summer in Bethany, there's right. not really many places to hide. Right. And when you get yourself in trouble, you're going to find one of these Bethany people, yeah, right. Bill Kiefer, who's yeah. hopefully we're going to get him, yeah. Larry Grimes, and JC. And JC's way of working with me was, hey, I need these hedges down at the soccer complex. Yeah. I need them completely cut. Here's what I'm going to pay you, but you're going to go do it. And I said, Sarah Lynn said, that's what I'm going to go do. All right, that's what I'm going to go do. Um, and I remember being down there, and I finish it up, and I talk, I'm talking to you about it, and I said, yeah, it was pretty easy. And you go, and I'm, excuse my French, you said, now the next time I hear that you're an asshole on campus, yeah. We're not going to have this type of conversation. <laughs> you see this fence here? You're going to run from here all the way down to that so the, the soccer wall that's at the end. Yeah. And you're going to do that until I watch you figure yeah. out that this is not the way you act. Yeah. So I wanted to say thank you because that was one of those times. You, Bill Kiefer, Larry Grimes, there were, you were kind of that group yeah. that helped me find what Bethany was. Sure. Uh, but I'd love to have you back yeah. on. I gotta send it to Harry Chambers because he's yeah. got Jack Hoffman and he's yeah. got uh, he's gonna tell us about the store. Uh, cheers! And we will be we will definitely have you back for part two, and you guys aren't gonna want to miss that. Yeah. As I said, we're gonna have to send it to Harry Chambers for Jack's facts, yeah. and then uh, Harry will send it to Harry for his promo on the store. Yeah. Yeah. This has been the Dingo Talk Show. I am Carlo Guadagnino, alongside legendary Division Three coach John Cunningham. Um, and Jason, thank you, and, and oh. we'll get you right back. We'll get My you pleasure. Back. Give it, okay. give it a couple of weeks. We'll yeah, let a couple right. other people come in, and then we'll. Uh, <laughs> you might edit all this down to about ten minutes. <laughs> no, I can't edit any of that down. Right. But enjoy, chuckleheads. Yeah. To you. You just watched another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded in the secret lair deep in the hills of Bethany, West Virginia. Let me give a shout out to my man Don over at Maple Shade Outdoor. He got some great 
He's got some great stuff going on over there on YouTube and Instagram. Please make sure you check him out. Also, now available as promised, we have the second edition Bethany, West Virginia, Mushroom Capital of the World t-shirts and our Chambers General Store. If we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirts. Available in all sizes. So, make sure you stop by the store for a t-shirt, breakfast sandwich, or sausage biscuits and gravy, and make sure to check out those daily lunch specials. Now back to you, Dingo. You wanna know?